The road to the world championships of public speaking is riddled with fierce competition. If you win the club level, you get to go to the areas. If you win the areas, you get to go to the divisions. If you win the divisions, you get to go to the district. And if you win the district, you get to go to the semifinals of the world championships of public speaking. And if you come first, you get to compete as one of the world's best public speakers. In this episode, our guest, John Andrews, has been there and he's here to share his experience. This is I Will Teach You to Speak. John, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Jonathan. Yes, absolutely. I'm excited to have you. Another John Andrews in the house. This is uh, going to be incredible. I want to start off by talking about your world championship experience with Toastmasters. And in ahead, 2017, John. you said, he who lasts, sorry, he who laughs, lasts. And my speaking mentor always said to me that the most important part of your speech is that last sentence, is those last few words. So I'm just wondering, what was the inspiration behind He Who Laughs Lasts? And can you tell us a little bit about that experience? Well, it's a parody of a well-known expression, He Who Laughs Last, Laughs Best. Mm -hmm. You take that, you turn it around a little bit, and then after people hear it, they, they think you're going down one path, and then the secret to humor is surprise. You build up the preface, and then suddenly you swerve them in another direction. Yeah, make it unexpected. So it's he who laughs and they expect to hear last laughs best, he who laughs lasts. Why did I end on that? The message of my world championship round speech is laughter is the greatest weapon we have against fear. <clears throat> and I said, if you have a good sense of humor, if you can laugh at things, you will overcome more adversity in life. Laughter is not a coping mechanism, it is a survival skill. And just and I said, if learning to laugh is a coping mechanism, so is learning to swim. He who laughs, dramatic pause, lasts. That's amazing. And I want to talk about it. I, I mentioned it in your intro. That's what I was doing right before this call is how does somebody get to the world championships of public speaking? Like you got to do the clubs, the areas, the divisions, the districts, the semifinals, and then there you are at the, the final. So what does the journey look like for you? When did you start Toastmasters and how'd you end up at the world championships? Started Toastmasters in 2015. Wow. And, wow. And then first time I took part in the international contest, I, find, I couldn't do it in 2016. I hadn't completed enough speeches and enough projects. You have to do mm. six your first six CC projects, and I hadn't done that. 2017 came wrong, and I was able to compete for the very first time. Did club. I was only competing against one other gentleman in club. He gave me all I could take, but mm -hmm. it was only one, then area, division, and that's around the time I started believing him. Maybe I can actually make it to Vancouver. Mm. And I remember that's the time I finally sprung it on my wife and I said you know if I win the next round I get to speak at the world conference <laughs> and she said oh, okay and I'm getting ready to sell this you know we got to get some money together so we can go to it and she said okay so where is it and I said well this year it's in Vancouver and her answer was yes please <laughs> that's awesome so 
So that uh, that made it very. She was on board with going to Vancouver. Shockingly. So then I finally did win district. I think I surprised a lot of people because nobody knew who I was. Mm-hmm. People talking about it were saying, well, you know, I know him. He's done some good stuff. I know maybe her, seen her before. John Andrews, who's that? I don't know, whatever. We'll get to him eventually. And as it happened, I drew number 10. So, Ooh. sorry, not number 10, number nine, whatever the last one is. Yeah. So I think everybody was saying, okay, they had their, their favorites. And then suddenly I went out there and I like to think, I don't know, I like to think that I blew them away and they said, okay, forget what I said earlier, he won. That's amazing. It's funny. I have some friends in the Toastmasters community that reached out to me last year and they said, oh my God, I saw that you're going to the world championship. <laughs> uh, and I, I hadn't competed because I was an area director, but I thought that was hilarious that people thought I was on that path. But seriously, John, it's like to- almost unprecedented. The first time competing, making it all the way there. Kudos to the preparation that it takes. And one of my questions is about the influences that you've had along that journey, because nobody gets there alone. And so I'm curious who's been there in your core, by your side, coaching you, mentoring you, who do you feel has like been the one or two biggest influences on that path from uh, first competition to world championships? Well, I can't say I've had one mentor and I've never really wanted a mentor. I never wanted to pattern my style after one person. I wanted to look at all the speakers I could and say, I like what she does here. I want to use that. I like what he does. I want to, use that. I like that. So that's the way I have tried to plan it. I, my three biggest influences, this is going to may sound a little bit odd, but the three things that influence my speaking are the three things I have consumed the most in my life. And they are stand-up comedy. Mm-hmm. They are Baptist sermons. You'd be surprised how much overlap and professional wrestling. And shockingly, okay. you can take a lot of influences from there from how to structure your speech, how to do delivery. I can take from all three of those things. Now, as for the people who've influenced me, as I said, I haven't learned from any one person, but there are a lot of people who have given me the, the encouragement I need because it's something I always felt. I've always got self-doubt. And the people who've encouraged me, when I first joined, I joined Goodyear Toastmasters. That's my main club. Awesome. And at the time, the president, his name is Varghese Thomas, I was visiting for a very long time. I did not take membership because my job situation was actually very much up in the air. And I didn't want to take membership here and then suddenly take a job in the other end of town and I can't make these meetings. And he's the one who called me one day and said, look, will you please just join? Now, if we have to transfer your membership later, we'll do that. But we'd really like you to just take the step and start because we're learning a bit from you. We think you can learn from us. So please just jump in there. So Varghese Thomas is one, my, my club, Goodyear Toastmasters, and now keynote speakers, advanced Toastmasters, have always been very encouraging to me. Another gentleman who gave me a real shot of encouragement when I needed it was world champion Jim Key. After I won my semifinal in Vancouver, he was one of the first people. He was cheering for another semifinalist, I think, because he was there. He's from Dallas, and there, I was competed against a lady from Dallas. And I think he was there to cheer her on, but he mm-hmm. saw me, and as soon as... As soon as I got off the stage, he had to explain to me who he was, first of all. I'm world champion Jim Key, because that's how, what a newbie I was. Yeah. And then he told me how much he appreciated what I did and what I said. So things like that have meant a lot to me. So we'll say Varghese, Jim, and then just various other people throughout the course. 
and wrestling and stand-up right. comedy and sermons. Fantastic. Well, they, they, they've influenced me. I can't say they've encouraged me, but yeah. I, I've been able to steal from here and there. Speaking of being a newbie, John, you went from zero to 100 really quick as a speaker. And we do have some people that are in the beginning stages of whether that's their speaking career or they want to make a transition to being a professional. Maybe they've won the club contest before, maybe the area contest, and they want to get to that next level. What are one or two actionable takeaways or mistakes you see them making that would help elevate them from newbie to intermediate or professional? The biggest advice I can give anybody who wants to be a speaker is to have a strong message. When I evaluate, I was just in Chicago evaluating the world championships and what caught me every time, what I evaluated every time is sadly not on the ballot. It's how strong is your message? Mm -hmm. A good message. Do you have one I haven't heard before? And if I have heard it before, have you made it feel fresh to me? So mm -hmm. have a good message, have a strong message, and then your content, your structure, your delivery, that's there to support your message. Mm -hmm. So make sure you're talking about a good message. And the second thing I have to say is preparation. Uh, one of the things that really does bother me in Toastmasters is when somebody does a project and they write a speech and it's something like, yes, I wrote this last night. I wrote it on the ride over here. No, no, no. Yeah. It takes a good three, four weeks to fully develop a speech. And you're not going to, you're not going to develop if you don't develop your speech. And sometimes they just do it to get the check mark in their manual. And then you wonder when they're on projects, you know, a couple of projects down, they're making the same mistakes yep. that you saw them make all that time ago. They aren't recording their speeches. They're not looking at the objectives and they aren't doing it with the intent of growing their intent on getting a check mark. Mm -hmm. And these, designations we have these pins we wear well we don't wear pins really anymore the pins that you're you're working towards they're they're not they're not really anything if you haven't gotten any better so have a strong message and do everything you can to grow and develop yourself yeah it's the difference between progress for the sake of progress versus progress for the sake of improvement and growth right and that's where the preparation comes in okay great question about the professional somebody that's on your level, we've got world champions. How are you still trying to improve? I know you mentioned recording yourself. I'm sure that's part of it. But for those people that are at that level, what are the mistakes you still see them making? Or is it just like the tiniest adjustments they need to make now? Uh, well, I can't speak for everybody. Everybody's got their own things they fall into. Some people are big hands talkers and you need to get that under control. And some people will just put their hands at the side and never use them. Mm -hmm. The only way to get over that is to get a lot of practice, do it in front of a lot of different audiences, get all the feedback you can. If you have the resources to get a coach, I may know a guy, just saying. Mm -hmm. If you have the resources to get a coach, get one, get a good one. And really, it's just practice. As Darren LaCroix says, it's stage time. What made Darren LaCroix great is he joined four different four, Toastmasters yeah. clubs. Four. That, that's just ridiculous when I heard that. <laughs> and he, he just wanted to become a better stand-up comedian. He would travel two hours to do a 10-minute set and then drive two hours back. Yeah. But, and that's why his, pro, his product excuse me, mm -hmm. is called Stage Time University because he sees the importance of it. And I, I stand by that. You, you got to get out there. You got to practice more and more.
Yeah, that's typically the through line that you see with most professionals is that that level of obsession. It's just another level of commitment to excellence that you don't get at the beginner and the intermediate level. That's what it takes is sometimes four clubs. I'm not advocating that for everybody, but if that's really what your goal is, just know that there's people out there that are putting in that level of effort and getting that level of stage time. That's right. And I'm, I'm not sure if this is one of Darren's lines, but I've heard it. And he's, somebody said, there's always somebody less talented than you willing to work twice as hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, my friend Kevin Rempel was on this podcast a couple of weeks ago and Kevin said, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Indeed. And Wayne Gretzky is somebody who's a great example of somebody who, who didn't have any, anything tangible about him, right? He was not big. He was not fast. He did not have a hard shot, but depending whom you ask. And if you're from my generation, the answer will be Wayne Gretzky is the greatest hockey player of all time. Mm-hmm. And what set him aside is he had a passion for it. You could not get him off the ice. He just loved it so much. And one of his lines is the, very similar to your friend, Kevin, is the only thing that beats hard work is hardworking talent. Nice. Awesome. I want to ask about next year because are you going to be competing again? Absolutely. Okay. So you'll be competing again next year. When does speech prep for that contest start? In a sense, it started at last year's convention district convention. I started thinking about what is my topic going to be. I had about three ideas. I think I've finally figured out the topic. And then my speech preparation is, I just write down random thoughts here and there. I think I want to say this. I think I want to say this. Then when I'm ready, then we'll deal with the structure and wonder when I, and then figure out when I can put those lines in. But last year in Vancouver, while I was driving around BC, I was writing my humorous speech. Okay for the following, following year. For yeah, the following so you're like fall. six months ahead all the time. As, as soon as one competition ends, the next preparation for the next one begins. So yes, I, I will be competing. I will be competing until I become world champion or a doctor says I can't compete anymore. And okay. chances are that doctor will be a coroner. Okay, nice. That's awesome. Well, I definitely see world champion in the future for you, John. I know you've got the commitment and the talent. So when you combine those two together, it's going to be synergistic. One last thing about your prep for this. So you've already started and you're writing some ideas now, and then you've come up with this overarching theme. And then what goes into the actual writing of that? Do you do that in blocks when inspiration hits you? Are you trying to think of structure first? Do you have the end of the presentation set up first? Like how do you piece together a world championship level speech? I don't think there's one formula that I always use. Like for example, my 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 most famous speech, my magnum opus, you may you've probably seen it in lieu of flowers. Yes. That's based that's based on an essay I wrote for college eleven years earlier. Oh wow. So I just took that and I just started cutting this now. It's a what, eleven page essay that I had to get down into seven minutes. So it was just a lot of cutting, a lot of cutting, maybe put a few jokes in there mm-hmm. and things like that. This speech that I'm that I wrote, the speech that I wrote last year was an idea I kind of had and I, I threw everything on the paper and then I said, okay, well, what are the points I want to make? And then what are the jokes I can put in there? And then it's just a whole lot of cutting. And again, this year, so far, well, for next year, I should say, it's a whole lot of random thoughts, first of all. Mm-hmm. And I think I have structure for it and then we'll practice it and we'll see that it comes in at nine or 10 minutes. And then it's, what do I have to cut? And I hope anybody who's a great speaker 
has that problem. You just have way too much to say and you have to cut and cut to get down. If you are working and working to get up yeah. to, to the sweet flat. spot as far as time, then you need more speech development. Mm-hmm. But you should always have way too many ideas and then you're getting it down. And by the end, you started with 10 minutes, you're getting down to seven and that seven minutes should be like frozen concentrated orange juice. It is the absolute best stuff you have. I wasn't planning on asking you this, but you mentioned comedy and jokes. And when I watch the semifinals and the world championships, it's ubiquitous. Every single person has weaved humor into those presentations. Is it even possible to win without humor? Is it impossible to win without humor? I'll tell you, it's really hard to connect without humor. You can connect on an intellectual level, and that's okay. And you can connect on an emotional level. I'm not sure I can, you can see my heart, but it's what I'm talking about. <laughs> you can connect on an emotional level, but humor breaks down a lot of barriers. It really relaxes people. It helps you get your point across. And it's been such a big part of my life. As I said, my, my final speech in Vancouver was all about the importance of humor. Yeah, it was really in, funny too. In, in this dark tenure that I have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, last thing is any actionable tips that you can give the listeners? I know you mentioned the element of surprise is really important. Any other fundamentals that you keep coming back to? Sorry, ask the question again? Yeah, any other fundamentals we can use to take action on being funnier or writing jokes into our presentations? On being funnier? I think your own personality really needs to show through. And if you, if you listen to me and you try to work my jokes into it, it's got to be a joke that you would tell. Right? So if you are, if you want to be in that sort of angry comic and you're not an angry person, it's not going to come across as genuine. All your jokes need to be something that you would say yourself. Now, how do you be funnier? It's kind of tough, but, Just consume more comedy. I grew up without the internet. I grew up watching The Simpsons. Mm -hmm. And so a lot that has shaped a lot of my humor. But there's stand-up comedy out there at at the touch of a couple of keystrokes. You can get stand-up comedy. You can get old sitcoms of whatever. You have Netflix. You can watch some, some of the greatest comedy that Hollywood has ever produced. So the best way to become funnier is to just consume more comedy and hang find some funny people hang out with them and as they start trading insults and jokes see if you can get in there and see if you can hang at their level perfect i want to switch gears as we get ready to close off this podcast this show and talk a little bit about death because you were a funeral director I still am a licensed funeral director. So you're a licensed funeral director and you spent a lot of time around people that were passing away, and people that have passed away. And so I'm curious, how has being around and constantly seeing death happen, how has that shaped your philosophy about life? Well, it shaped my philosophy about life in a couple of ways. One, when you're a funeral director, you get up in the morning and maybe you have a couple of complaints. You don't like the apartment, the basement apartment you're living in. Mm-hmm. You don't like the car you're driving. You don't like that. You're here. <laughs> you don't have this. You don't have that. And then you go out there and you do your job and it's a tough job. And when you come home at night, you are grateful to everything for everything you have because mm-hmm. you didn't bury your son that day. 
my, I didn't bury my parents that day. And if I wanted to talk to my parents, which often did happen as a result, they were a phone call away. So it does really make you grateful for the things you have. And it does, this is not the purpose of your podcast, but it puts eternity into perspective and it does make you think about what happens to you after you die. Mm. So as for me as a Christian, it definitely strengthened my faith mm -hmm. and things like that. You work with a lot of clergy and you get to see different aspects of what different people believe. And I think that was a really interesting part is to see the mourning and grieving rituals from around the world. Like in, in Vietnam, I, did, I served a Vietnamese family and they said, everybody's got to wear white because that's the mourning color in Vietnam. So I said, oh, okay, we'll see. Some guys had to go get their polyester leisure suits from the 70s because it was the only white suit they had. <laughs> One last thing about that is that you've experienced thinking now about eternity because of this and the gratitude that comes with actually being here. What about, have you thought about the finite nature of time and does that motivate you? the fact that you're around death and that it could end at any moment? Yeah, your tomorrow is never really guaranteed. I shouldn't say never really. It isn't guaranteed. And I have served people. By served people, I mean I have buried people uh, younger than you. And I think I've buried people younger than anybody listening to this podcast. I don't want to bring out the cliche, you know, live every day as if it were your last, you know, because one day you'll be right. Mm -hmm. But... Yeah, if there is something you want to tell somebody, you you better hurry up and tell them because you don't you don't know. And the fact that they're in their thirties doesn't mean that they'll be in their forties. So, you know, you you better get out there and and make use of the finite nature of time, as you said. Yeah, and I think that transitions well into my last question. I like to ask the guests to share whatever's on their heart. And you mentioned, you know, if you were thinking about telling someone, tell someone. So this is really your opportunity of to share whatever is in your heart, is in your soul, a message that's resonated with you. I don't want to direct the podcast in every single angle. So this is totally up for grabs and I'll let you do your thing. Well, there's a, there is actually a keynote I'm working on about your gifts and your talents. Mm. And I draw from the Bible. I draw from one of Jesus' parables, which is in Matthew 25. And it's about... It's, called the parable of the talents and the yes. idea is a master gave his three servants some gifts yes and one he got and it was he rewarded the people who used them and he got angry at the one who didn't mm -hmm. so i would say so so i'm gonna tease my keynote in case you want to hear the full one give me a call okay but it isn't everybody has gifts don't say you don't have any everybody has got talents Maybe you need to discover yours, but you have them. And I think what God expects from everybody is that we use the talents, the gifts he's given us to bless others. So in this finite time you've been given, your job, your duty is to bless people with the talents you have. John, you are wonderful. And I'm really looking forward to the opportunity to get to know you a little bit better. I'm wishing you luck already in next year's contest. I know you're going to go out there and make Canada proud again and crush it. Where's the best place for us to find you online? Is that LinkedIn or where do you, where do you prefer to, to be and, and communicate? I would love to say go to my website, but it's under construction. Okay. So if you want to wait for it, it's at lastrights.com. That's last-w-r-i-t-e-s. Last rights, we lay boring speeches to rest. Okay. Until then, get in touch with me by email at 
This is a tough one. Emperor, Goodyear, Toastmasters at gmail.com. Awesome. And failing that, if you go to Facebook or you go to LinkedIn and look up John Andrews, not Jonathan Andrews, <laughs> but J-O-H-N Andrews, keynote speaker, you will find me there. Okay, fantastic. Really appreciate your time. I'm looking forward to doing this again after you win the world championships and we can get some new tips. Thank you again, John. Indeed. It was an honor and a privilege, Jonathan. Keep going with the podcast.